Hi, you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, I need an update. Haircut? No, my jeans, they're outdated. Run to Old Navy for tons of new jean styles on sale right now. Old Navy? Yes, try the new Rockstar 24-7. Now with more stretch and comfort than ever, you can feel and look fabulous. Plus, all jeans for the whole family are on sale up to 50% off, starting at $15 for adults and from $10 for kids. Up to 50% off all jeans? Yep, say hi to new denim at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. It's a date. New jeans at Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 810-823, excludes clearance. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to another edition of Off the Rails Radio with your host, the one and only Tom Wing. I hope everybody out there is doing great on this nice frosty evening, whatever evening it is, uh, J- January 9th. I don't really keep up with the dates, but oh well. <laughs> um, first, I, w- I want to say I'll, the the numbers and the ratings for my first show back have been great. I had uh, 45 live listeners, which is right up there. Um, with with my other shows. Uh, speaking of my other shows, I will be uh, having a marathon sometime in the next week, all of them back-to-back. Uh, I have to watch how many I post because then it will intertwine inter, uh, with, my, with my actual live shows. Um, so far, it's had about 15 downloads, but you know, part of that's my fault. I haven't really plugged it that much, but I'm going to plug it more, and I hope everybody out there is li- listening in tonight. And I want to break records. Um, right now, Scott Diamond's show has the most live listeners, um, with about 55, I think, and the most, well, the second most downloaded episode I've ever had. The first is my first ever Sons of Anarchy with my special guest, who was on. Earlier this week, Michael Wing, uh, both avid Sons of Anarchy fans, and tonight we're going to cover a couple things. I, first, um, I'm going to I'm going to cover a couple movies, and then after that, we're going to play a song, which is actually going to be a tribute for our troops, past, present, and future. Then I'm going to bring on my good friend, my mentor, Bobby Blade, and we're going to talk about everything. Well, everything that we could remember anyway, because we're both both a bunch of old men. (laughs) I'm only 31, and here I'm calling myself old. We're going to cover everything that we can think of from 1990 to 1999 with with the WWF. It's part of a series that I hope that I could have either weekly or biweekly, which with – maybe maybe with Bobby Blade, maybe with guest – other guests, uh, where we talk about a certain decade of wrestling. I also want to do one with WCW, and not really ECW, because I don't really know much about ECW, and nor was I really a big fan of it. I may cover it as a whole one day, but um, it's real fun. Uh, I've been keeping up with the Monday Night War um, 
series that is on the WWE Network right now. And I've got to say, to me, that is one of the best series, hands down. We'll get Bobby Blade's opinion on it when he comes on the air. But first, before we get into all that, I want to talk about a couple movies I've watched in the last couple weeks that kind of really hit home with me. One is called Lone Survivor, and the other is called American Sniper. I watched American Sniper a couple hours ago, and it's real fresh in my head, and I want to walk over here to my DVD stand, and I'm going to grab Lone Survivor just so I could see pictures of it and remember a couple things. But uh, Lone, both movies are about actual events, and they were both very, very good movies. And I think a prob- one of the problems that kind of falls in with war movies is they all tend to be the same uh, to the point where you watched one, you've watched 100. These two movies particularly, maybe because it's stuff that happened in the last year, maybe not, but they just really hit a chord with me. I watched Lone Survivor last year, which was about the story of Operation Red Wings from back in 2005, where four Navy SEALs was pinned down in an Afghan in the Afghan wilderness. Uh, long story short, they come across a couple sheep herders. And they have a moral dilemma, you know, do we kill these guys or do we just let them go? Because they didn't know if they was in with the insurgents, which obviously uh, one of them, I think, was. He went and told the guy that actually the guy that they were looking for from Al-Qaeda, and they pretty much came got ambushed. And it was very gut-wrenching. At times, it was actually very hard to watch because three of the four of these men died in, in the line of duty. And... There was one scene in it that struck me real hard, and I was watching an interview with with the guy's wife, which whose name I can't think of right now just because I don't have it open or the Wikipedia page open. But uh, I called him badass. He was like their, I think he was their sniper, and uh, he said something to the effect of, "If I die here today, I want you to tell my wife that I died with my brothers." And I died with a smile on my face. And to me, I was just like, that blew me away. It did. And she was lit. She seen that at the premiere, and she did an interview. It was, it was almost like he. I mean, I know it was an actor, but it was almost like he was talking to me. And I'm glad that brought a little closure. Now, the second movie that I watched was American Sniper, and I watched it today, as I said before, and it had Bradley Cooper playing the part of Chris Kyle a real-life Navy SEAL. Now, before we get into it, I realize that there's some there's a big controversy with Jesse Ventura. I don't give a shit about that. Um, this ain't what it's about. And I've had some people talk about try to talk about that on my Facebook page when I said I really wanted to see that movie. And I watched it today, and, it's just, and it, what I like was it wasn't how most war movies are, where it's we go in, we kill the bad guys, hey, everybody's going to live every, happily ever after which he kind of did live ha- happily ever after until the day he died. Um, he, it showed the psychological toll that multiple tours in Iraq uh, produce, and it, and, it, and it fucked him up royally to the point where he couldn't function at all when he got home. You know, his wife said, you know, you're not human anymore. And I, I want to recommend this movie to anybody out there that likes, you know, true stories that supports our troops. This is a, these two are movies that you'll 
very much enjoy. And I, and I wish I could get into them more tonight, but I, right now I just don't have the opportunity tonight, maybe later. But um, before we I bring on Bobby Blade, we're going to take a small four-minute break, but it's I'm going to play a song called The Warrior Song. I found it on YouTube, and I really liked it, so I, I kind of I got a hold of the MP3, and, uh, and I'm going to play it here in a minute. But I know a few troops, um, current and former, and I want to say – I'm going to name the ones I do know um, – Stephen Eisen, who is a wrestling brother to both me and Bobby Blade, um, a friend of mine named Hagen McCarty, Joey Belden, that serve now. Um, I know Joey and, and Stephen is home. I don't know about Hagen. I haven't talked to him in a couple years. But I just want to say thank you for everything that you guys do, all the sacrifices you make. We all appreciate it. And and just keep doing what you're doing, man. And Thank you for protecting us. And right now I'm going to go ahead and play this song called The Warrior Song, and this is out to you guys.
All right. Um, real quick, I left out a name, and I'm kind of I feel bad about doing it, but I also want to thank Scott Diamond, who is a not a former Marine because there's no such thing, but he is a Marine veteran. But all right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you the reason that you guys are probably all here. He is the man when you go when you used to go to or when you well. When you go to the United Wrestling Federation, you would pay to see this man. He is I he is one of my best friends. And on the line is Bobby Blade. How are you doing? Oh Jesus, I'm sitting outside of Hustler Hollywood and I just ate Hollies and I've got so much gas. Now am I talking to Bobby Blade or am I talking to John Horton? <laughs> you gotta admit that was pretty good. <laughs> that was a good comeback right there. Hopefully John Horton's listening, and no, he can have a response to that. I think he said he is at work. Uh, <laughs> he's stuck at work, and guess what? I'm not. <laughs> and I just want to say before we go on here, before we All go right. on any further, the only reason that Scott Diamond's show got more live listeners than my show is because he paid you off. Paid me off? How did he yeah, pay paid me you, off? Paid you off to put out more plugs. <laughs> ah, it also might have been because you were my first ever guest, and it was only my I second. Was? It was only my four, third show in. Yeah, you oh, was my well. first. You was my first guest. Well, well, I beat him out then on that. There you it's go. It's more like you know, if I'm if I'm ever at another wrestling show with him, I'm going to beat his brains out too. Hmm. Yeah. So take All that right. for what it's worth. <laughs> I will. How was your evening this evening? Oh, uh, well, it was pretty good. I played a little bit of games and uh, watched a little bit of TV. You know, that Total Diva show, I'm really into that. That Eva Marie's hot. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> Hope she has a job for life. Yeah. I, well, with the turnover rate of WWE Divas, I say that's probably not going to happen. But nah, crap. Yeah. What is the turnover rate there? About four or five years, maybe, if they're lucky. Yeah, if they're lucky, until they get to like what thirty, and then they then they're out the door. Well, it seems like to me that if you go look back at Eve, Eve Torres and Kelly Kelly, it's like once they win the Divas Championship and then they lose it, the majority of them leave. Yeah, <laughs> you know, though here's the thing though that I've also noticed about a lot of WWE guys. You know, everybody works hard and everything all their career. They finally get up to the WWE. They get the job at the WWE. They get released for whatever reason, and it's like you just never hear from them again. They just quit the business or something. Unless they go to TNA, which is, you know, I mean, that's a viable option there. But, I mean, still, how many guys have you heard of that have just dropped off the face of the earth after getting let go from WWE? Well, off, off top of my head, and it's only because me and you both know him, but Chris Harris was like that. Well, I mean, yeah, but, you know, he Chris per- Harris, I consider a very good I mean, friend. Yeah. And and uh, he's doing very well for himself these days, actually. Yeah, but he's there, finally, when he got, finally when got he the bug let, back. Yeah, when he was let go, he disappeared there for a little while. Yeah, uh, he finally got the bug back. He's he's back into wrestling. Uh, he's very excited about it again. Um, got a little bit of a different look with what he wears. He doesn't wear the short um, trunks that he wore with. AMW and you know stuff like that. He wears like uh, uh, all black gear. It kind of looks like the Shield, but honestly, him in that black gear, it makes him look like more of a badass. I think, mm-hmm. and it fits him. It suits him well. As long as I'm he ain't wearing the old braid. Wa- 
as long as he ain't wearing the old Braden Walker singlet, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. say after I say after he got his walking papers, he burned that singlet. Oh yeah, yeah. That's see, that's one of the things he does not want to talk about. I and I don't talk about it with him. You know, I just I don't don't want to even bring it up around him and all that stuff because you know that's something that was very upsetting to him. It was a very bad deal for him. You know, mm-hmm. and so. But, you know, I'm very happy to see he's back in the wrestling business. I'm happy to see he's finally got his smile back and uh, everything else. You know, he's he's a great guy, great guy. Yeah, because I, I met Chris at the 40th anniversary MWA show. Yeah. And I didn't see the prick everybody was talking about. He was just, to me, he was just more standoffish. Um, but, he, but if you talk to him, he was fine. But he just preferred not to talk. Of course, I think this was not long after he was let go. Yeah. Now, see, actually, to me, he was never standoffish. He was never a prick. He was always super, super nice to me. Um, you know, he was very talkative to me and everything, you know. So I never saw what I wouldn't say everybody else said because not everybody felt that way. You know, there's a couple of people here and there that didn't know him. But, you know, he was always very super nice to me, and uh, he always wanted to, he always wanted to work with me. And I was mm-hmm. always more than happy to work with him, too. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy, great talent. And, you know, and I think he's right around my age, which I don't want to give away right now because <laughs> we're on the air. But, you know, he's – he's. you talk about somebody that's still got it. Chris Harris still got it. Yeah, he's 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 one of my performers when I do get back in – try to get back rolling back in, in March. Um, he's on my bucket list of guys I'd like to work with at least once kind of deal. Yeah. Um, well, but let's go ahead and get into the subject of the night. The, the subject is the WWF. And I don't call it the E because at this time it was not the E, it was the F. And uh, we're going to talk from 1990 to 1999. And when we first started out the year, the WWF champion, and believe it or not, I'm doing this from memory, was Hulk Hogan, the Intercontinental Champion, I think well yeah was the ultimate warrior and the tag champions i'm thinking was either andre the giant and haku or demolition i I can't remember when andre and haku won the straps but it was one of those two teams i believe it was andre and haku because demolition won them from them at wrestlemania Mm six um the royal rumble that year i don't remember much about the undercard with the exception of the genius and brutus's match uh, which I think Brutus won by DQ, was Hogan and the Warrior Warriors squaring off halfway through the Royal Rumble, teasing what was to come. When you seen that for the first time, how did that hit you? As a fan, mm-hmm. I was super ecstatic. I was on fire, you know, as I say, because um, I liked both of them. I was a fan of Hogan. I was a fan of the Warrior. When it, You know, they finally... Did they do the old uh, bump into each other, turn around, you know, and then see each no, other I, there? And I, I think it was somebody – Hogan eliminated somebody on the left, Warrior eliminated somebody on the right, and they just did the slow turn, and then they – Oh, they, yeah, yeah. They okay. stared down, and then they started pacing, and then they did the infamous crisscross spot. And well, I remember uh, when that happened, when they started looking at each other, I jumped up out of my chair. I do remember this. Jumped mm-hmm. up out of my chair. I started screaming, going, oh, God, oh, God, please, please let this happen. And I was so on fire to see this. You know, and then they just did the crisscross, and then somebody else came out, I think. Yeah. And cut it they off, and I was just like, oh. Line. 
Yeah. And then they didn't touch again in that match until Hogan accidentally eliminated the Warrior. Kind yeah. Of like it. Yeah. And I also kind of, even though it's not in our time frame, I also kind of find it funny that Hogan did the same thing with Savage the year before in the 89 Rumble. And they, yeah. And, of course, they took a different, the, the Warrior Hogan took a different turn. Their their animosity didn't build up until, I believe, the Saturday night's main events, or the main yes. events, which I, I call them. But to me, they're Saturday night's main events, whether they didn't happen on Saturday or not. But yeah. um, WrestleMania six was not long afterwards. Um and the main event was Hogan Warrior both for both belts. Um, and the IC strap was, well, that, you know, that. And the tag match was the mentioned Demolition versus Colossal Connection. It was also notable for one of the last, not so much quality, but one of the, the last high-profile matches of Andre. Could you really tell yeah. how bad he was struggling in that match? Yeah, because I believe that he dropped an elbow or something, and he had to grab onto the ropes, and he's struggling to get up. He did something where he was knocked off of his feet. He's trying to struggle to get up, and you could just see the pained expression on his face. And uh, basically, Haku worked the majority of the match, except for uh, you know the little bit of time that Andre was in there. And, I think uh, finished. Yeah, I think that was it. And... Uh, Anyway, they they demolition won the belts and they did the thing where uh, Bobby Heenan dumped Andre and you know he's uh, Andre slapped Bobby Heenan around and you know on, or uh, Bobby Heenan sold it like a million bucks and and that was pretty much you know more or less the last well that was the last in ring appearance of Andre the Giant. The and last then, time, uh, the last time I, I remember him came coming back. down to the ring was he came down as a surprise at WrestleMania seven during and he was the on Boston crutches. Amp- Yes, and then yeah. he showed up at the Rumble ninety, the some no SummerSlam ninety one. He was with the uh, think the Bushwhackers. Yeah, which, yeah. Uh, I don't remember who they wrestled though. Was it the Beverly I, Brothers? No, it wasn't the Beverly uh, Brothers. Hold on, my I can grab my I can actually grab the DVD case because it's right here. Uh, we should be more prepared than this. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't say. I bet it was a last-minute thrown-together match. Yeah, probably was. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. It happens. Yeah. Oh, oh well. But, yeah, WrestleMania yeah. six was a, was a huge night, I think, for the WWF. Yes. Uh, you know, you, you had all those matches. Then you had uh, 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 Tenru and Katal came over from Japan to face demo. No, that was uh, WrestleMania 7. Was I'm seven. sorry to get ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, you had Hogan and Warrior. You had uh, um, Colossal Connection and Demolition. You had... Uh, what else did you have on WrestleMania 6? Bad News Brown and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Piper. <laughs> I'm surprised that wasn't the first match to come into your head, considering how much of well, a Piper Mark you are. <laughs> well, I am a huge Piper Mark, but I'll tell you this, though. That match right there was not the prettiest match I've ever seen in my life. No, I think the I think the the red that Andre pulled on Piper over the the black paint is more is better than the match. No, yes, and he sold that on countless DVDs. And uh, you know, once you uh, you know let the, in case the listeners haven't heard it and everything, you know, just let them know what happened there. It was uh, all right. From what I remember, Piper was going to was getting ready to put his paint on, but had to do something else. 
and Andre switched the black the black latex paint with an actual paint that wouldn't come off. And so after the match, he's trying to scrub it off, trying to scrub it off, can't do it. And I don't, I can't remember how many days he said he had to keep it on, but it was a while. I think it was and like four days. Yeah. Yeah, he, he talks about it on his uh, on the uh, Born to Controversy DVD. Mm-hmm. He says that uh, he's on the plane and he's drunk and he's painted half black and he's got a stuffed Mickey Mouse and he's got got the Mickey Mouse in the seat next to him. And uh, the flight attendant comes up to him and says, "Excuse me, Mr. Popper, you know we're going to have to check that." And he says, uh, "Buy or uh, get him a ticket or something like that. Pays for a ticket for the stuffed <laughs> Mickey Mouse." <laughs> Great stuff. Yeah. Um, I love Piper. I do, too. Um, I was watching – I watched Fall Brawl last night, 98, with um, the Hat Piper and the War Games match. Of course, that War Games match, not the prettiest match in the world, but, of course, are are any of them. (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But he looked in great shape there, I thought. Well, I tell you what, um, he left the WWF. In uh, 87, after WrestleMania 3, and then he came back at 89 for WrestleMania 5 to do the Piper's Pit. Of course, he was he was still wearing his shirt there and everything because you didn't see him. And then he came back again in 91. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 91 he came back again, and he was in phenomenal shape. He was ripped. You know, he had a six-pack and all that stuff, and it, it was the best that he had ever looked his entire mm-hmm. career, I thought. And it was some of the best matches that he ever had in the 90s as well when he came back that time. Um, also on that card was Macho King, Randy Savage, and Sensational Sherry versus Mr. Polka Dots, Dusty Rhodes, and the Sweet Sapphire. Mm-hmm. What uh, did you, you think I, of the Polka Dots? <laughs> the Polka Dots, I liked them. You know, they got over pretty well. Everybody says it was a stupid gimmick, but I don't see where it was stupid. You know, because he, he was in – he was in the WWF. He was just as over as he was in, in the uh, NWA. The only difference was he was now wearing polka dots. Big mm-hmm. deal, you know. Yeah. And that's I think what they wanted him to do. That's what they were paying him to do. So, and I good think deal for him. Towards the end of his run, he quit wearing the polka dots altogether. When um, I believe he did. They, when they brought Dustin in and was doing the Dustin uh, the Rhodes family versus the Million Dollar Man. Yeah, I believe I believe he did. I believe he did, but. Um, the the mixed tag at WrestleMania six, I thought it was good. I thought it was a little short. Mm-hmm. But you had uh, uh Macho Man and you had Sensational Sherry who was who was a wonderful person, by the way. I I knew her personally for a short while. She's one of the nicest people you would have ever wanted to meet, ever. Uh she always called me Baby Doll. I don't know if she actually knew my name or not, but she always <laughs> called me Baby Doll. Baby Doll, you going up the Mount Sterling? Yeah. Can you give me a ride? Sure. And she was always super nice, super friendly to everybody. And uh, it didn't matter what level you were on. It didn't matter, matter if you were, uh, um, you know, coming off of a WWF run, WCW run, or if you were just an, an indie guy. She treated everybody the same. Talked to everybody, hugged everybody. It was very nice to every single person, you know, that she was ever around during the time that I knew her. Mm-hmm. The WrestleMania six, I think it wasn't the debut of the Rockers, but I think it was the better of the two, the three first three tag matches that they had at WrestleMania. They fought against Orient Express. Yes, I, 
Great match. I mean, my thoughts on that was great match, shitty ending. With the uh, that was the count out, wasn't it? Yeah, the salt in the eyes, and Marty went over the the rail. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? That was a great match, and you know a lot of people don't realize that the Orient Express, the the second rendition of the Orient Express with uh, Tanaka and Kato, was mm-hmm. actually a team called Bad Company in the AWA, which was an awesome team. And they were. And I believe they by, worked. Uh, they worked with that? the Rockers there, there, didn't they? No, no, no. That was past the Rockers' time in the AWA. Oh, okay. Um, but they had uh, they had worked with teams like the the Rock and Roll RPMs and you know stuff like that. But uh, they had phenomenal matches with whoever that they were working with, and they were managed by DDP, which is also another personal favorite of mine. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, a lot of people didn't realize that that was that team that the Orient Express was actually bad company. Um, and I think that if a lot more people knew that they would have known, or they would have expected more out of the match. I don't, I don't want to say expected more. That's the wrong term I'm looking for. Um, they would have thought more highly of the match. Cause it's not really mm-hmm. one of the more talked about matches. I don't think. Yeah. I, I, I've always liked that match. And I think they had a better match at the Royal Rumble 91. That went on. That when I first time I watched it, just seemed like it went on forever. And this was before I got in the business. And then once I got in the business and I started studying tag team wrestling, when I got with Zodiac, that was one of the matches I watched. And I was just like, oh, "This is gold." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, usually just about anything the Rockers touched back then was was gold. And the Orient Express, like I said, you know, uh, there was two versions. There was Tanaka and Akio, and then there was Tanaka and Kato. And to me, I think the Tanaka and Kato version of the team was actually the better team. But by that point, they had already become jobbers. Now, now, uh, Tanaka, you said his name was Kiato or Kito or whatever. The uh, first, the first guy. Kid, the first guy uh, he now, was a Kio, Kio Sato. Uh, now, do you know he actually showed back up in the WWE? He was uh, Hakushi's manager, wasn't he? Exactly. Not a lot uh-huh. of people know that. Not yep. a lot of people know that, because of course I've got all the in your houses thanks to some some doofus I borrowed them from and burnt them. I'm not going to. I wouldn't know who you're talking about there. <laughs> but uh, I watched the first one, which had a phenomenal match with Hakushi and Bret Hart, and I was just like, that guy looks familiar. Where have I seen that guy before? And I got the more <laughs> I got to thinking, I mean, it's one of those when I see something like that, I will think about it until I figure it out. No. Orient Express, that's who that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, instead of focusing, running through one year, because we'll be here all night if we do. Uh, oh, yeah. We're, let's jump, jump around. We're going to go ahead and jump to the Attitude Era, 1998. And, and all the pay-per-views there off the top of your he- head. I'm sorry. i am got the burps. But uh, off the top of your head, what would you say was the best pay-per-view that year? Survivor Series, the Rock winning the title. Yes, I I can I can agree with that. My yep. favorite one as a whole, well, not as a whole, but the main event just saved it. Uh, would have to be Over the Edge. Uh, Dude, Love and Austin. Yes, that match was phenomenal. Yes, it was. Um, um, that was the one where uh, McMahon was the referee, right? Yes. Yeah, halfway through, and he said, and halfway through the match, you can hear, "Chair shot, Steve, chair shot." 
<laughs> but that, that was the one where uh, McMahon had said prior the only way that uh, Awesome will win is is by my hand or something like that. The only way the match would end is by my hand. And McMahon was knocked out, and then Austin um, did the three count with McMahon's hand, right? Right. Aha, it's all coming back to me now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just think, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Blade was worried he might not be able to remember anything. I'm just like, you are a freaking wrestling encyclopedia. All I got to well, do is break it up and you'll, and you'll remember the thing it. The <laughs> thing is, though, is, is, you know, I've had 14 concussions, and that's, uh, you know, when people have concussions, you know, they have one usually, if they're lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, two is a rarity, but I've had 14. I've known people, you know, more, you know, that have had more than that. And, um, you know, right around the 10th when your memory starts going. Yeah, I believe you. Yeah, because I can't, I can't put together two senses, you know, back-to-back, obviously because mm-hmm. I'm stuttering and, you know, trying to find my words and all that stuff. I can't remember things like I used to at all. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I'm trying to forget is Scott Diamond's face, but I just can't seem to forget <laughs> that one. <laughs> That's an image that just will not leave my head. Yeah, that not that like that go goatee and all that and oh gosh, it's all gray landing, and you know landing, he uses just for men. Landing strip yeah. on his chin. <laughs> oh my goodness! What are they trying to do? Land Bobby. a plane on his face? <laughs> I was gonna say, and don't worry, Bobby. Um, on my earlier shows, I kind of was getting razzed out by a few people about my language and the fact mm-hmm. that it's my show. I, I'll speak however I want to speak. So if, if it's all good here, brother. You don't have to worry about offending anybody. Um, of course, when you said la- I said landing strip, you was talking about airplanes. I was talking about something else. <laughs> oh, oh, but, you were uh, you were talking about felony fox again, eh? <laughs> well, I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. She uses just for men too. <laughs> 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 don't don't tell her I said that. You're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> I love coming on your show, Tom, because it's like two buddies just sitting around BS. Yeah, I make it as easy as possible. I mean, it's it's. I know when I first started it, some people were afraid that oh, Tom's gonna bring these guys up here so they can start shooting on people, and I'm just like, that's not my intention, uh, or hurt somebody's feelings. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm like, that's not my intention. I can't, but I can't control what comes out of another person's mouth. That's on. That's all on them. You know, yeah. I, well, you know, I'm you know, I'm just having a good time and everything. You know, exactly. Making and fun of felony. That's all I want my show to be is I want my guests to have a good time, enjoy themselves, and talk and talk about wrestling memories. Or next week I've got a a guy that's real big into horror movies on my show, and my show is a variety show, and I just want people to have fun. You know, and that's that's all I ask for. Now, um, there is one thing that I know. We got a little off topic there. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, it's good, brother. We got an hour and 24 minutes to kill. Speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen listening, program note, I extended tonight's show to two hours long. That doesn't mean we're going to go two hours, but I don't want really time constraints to bug us that much. So I extended it because, you know, if, if that was the case, I'd only have an hour left. And I know I said that 9 o'clock, 9.10, we're going to start taking calls, but it might be a little later. And Andrew Browning, I know you're in the chat room. 
because he's he's already started a Bobby chant in the chat room and <laughs> and everything. Um, when you hear me say we'll take calls, that's when you can call in, man. And the number is the exact same one you called Tuesday. So no no need to ask me for the number. Just helping you out there. The number never changes. The back to the conversation. The bane of both of our exist, my existence, and your existence, and pretty much every wrestler out there is the the modern smart fan. Yeah. The IWC. Yeah. They never like anything they see. They hate it all. You can give them a five star wrestling match. And it sucked to them. Well, let me just expound on that a little bit. You know, one of the okay. things is um, CM Punk, and I know I know this is off topic of what the subject of the show is supposed to be, but it's, you know, I got I just want to say this. CM Punk, you know, for forever they were like, oh, you should push CM Punk, push CM Punk, push CM Punk. Why aren't they pushing CM Punk? He's better than this. Blah 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 blah. CM Punk this, CM Punk that. So they start pushing CM Punk. And he starts getting hugely popular. And then they're like, well, he's just overrated. He's overrated. I wish he'd leave. I wish he would leave. And then he leaves. And now mm-hmm. they're like, well, they ran him off. Are you? Is IWC ever happy with anything? I'm going to say no, they're not. It's the same thing with Daniel Bryan. They, you know, they bring Daniel Bryan in. They're like, why are they burying him? They're burying him, burying him. Then they, you know, they should push him. Then they finally start pushing him, gets over huge, and then all of a sudden, oh, Daniel well, Bryan's he, overrated. Oh yeah, Daniel Bryan's well, he overrated. Needs to be pushed, but he doesn't need to be champion. Is <laughs> my yeah. the favorite thing that they do? Yeah, it's, it's like uh, 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 here's the thing that gets me about the IWC more than anything, and you see this on Facebook every Monday night. Raw sucks. I don't know why I'm watching Raw. I hate Raw. WWE sucks. I hate the WWE. But yet, they're still watching it every Monday night. Exactly. You know, there's something there that they like about it that keeps them from keeps them, uh, uh, coming in every Monday night to watch the show. In other words, you know, I guess they want us to think that they're sitting there torturing themselves for three hours every Monday night. I personally, I like the show. I watched every Monday night. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I am a mark. I'm a mark and a half. I'm a, I, I, I can claim markdom for myself and yourself. Yeah. You know, I watch it. Every, I watch wrestling every time it's on TV. I've got the indie wrestling channel on uh, Roku. I've got the WWE Network. Uh, wrestling is on at my house nearly 24 hours a day. It's like when you know? I come over and hang out with you. Why do we watch? Wrestling. We watch wrestling. And if we're not watching wrestling, we're talking about wrestling. I mean, yeah. And it's it's I'm I've, I'm you know that I've been I've got pretty much everything that you've got almost as far as the WWF WCW and most of ECW and I've got yeah. it all and I know some people listening out here are going to be like Tom has no life but you need to realize I've been I started this list eight years ago I started putting everything in order and I just keep adding to it well I've got thanks to you, well not thanks to you because I've got something you don't have I have every Raw episode up until last Monday on DVD. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I also have all the Smackdowns and you know, you hooked me up with Nitros, I hooked you up with the Thunders, and now I have the first two years of Sunday Night Heat. Um that was back when that Sunday Night Heat actually meant something. And yeah. um I'm they're getting ready for the breakdown pay per view in ninety eight. 
which was the infamous triple threat match that wasn't a triple threat match. Austin, Undertaker, Kane, Austin, Undertaker, and Kane can't pin each other. They have to pin Austin. Now, could you that, – that was great storytelling, pretty much how the evil McMahon was trying to screw over the, you know, the hero, Austin. Mm-hmm. Now, if they do something like that today, it's like, oh, you're burying Austin. Why would you bury Austin? And it's yeah. You can't you can't tell a story with them because they want the entire story in one night. If you t- make it last two weeks, holy crap, that's too long. Well, I always think that the longer built stories are always the best stories. You know, like everybody was you know the bringing up Daniel Bryan again. You know, mm-hmm. everybody thought that boom, he should be champion overnight. Well, it was a slow build to WrestleMania, and then finally at WrestleMania he got the belt. You know, in the story, let's go to the next one. But you know they weren't happy with that, and then finally Daniel Bryan wins the belt at WrestleMania, and then on Facebook you see, oh God, he finally, you know, finally did it, finally did it, finally. hook, line, and sinker, boom. Yeah. You you know what I'm saying? Well, a perfect example is CM Punk 2011 when he when yeah. they, when he got when he got beat by Triple H. Uh, I mean, Punk didn't like it, obviously, from the po- from his podcast with Colt Cabana, but the IWC was like, well, when he won the belt at Survivor Series, I'm like, well, now maybe they'll shut up. CM Punk's the champion. Now it's like, well, we're glad he's champion, but we're pissed that it's not the way we wanted it to happen. I'm just like, yeah. why do you even watch? It's like going to the store, buying a steak, taking that steak home, cooking it, taking one bite of Oh, my God, this is the nastiest steak I've ever ate in my life. Let's go buy another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the IWC is never going to be happy. You know, here's the thing. Here's, and I'm going to get some heat for this. I know I am. Somebody's going to call me out for something. The IWC knows nothing. And I'll no. tell you why. They aren't there. They don't work for that company. They don't, they don't go to every show. Yeah. They, they know nothing. You know, they don't work there. They don't know what's going on. They think they know what's going on, but they don't because they're not there. Yeah. They're not that guy that's in that angle. They're, you know, they're not the guy that's having this match. You know, that's like, uh, uh, what was that? Uh, three minute warning, several years ago. Um, somebody said to me, "Well, I think three minute warning sucks." Okay, well that's your opinion, but you can't say that three minute warning does in fact suck because they work their asses off. Yeah. You know, they're making a huge paycheck compared to what you're making. They're on the WWE with plenty of TV exposure. You're on an indie show in front of 25 people. You know, and that's not downgrading indie shows at all. No. You know, it's just, no. you know, I don't think that you could say anybody in WWE sucks, you know, because of their, their work or something like that, because you're not there. You yeah, don't, you're not one of their peers. Exactly. There was a guy, which I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to. It's not that I don't give a shit to have heat because you know me more than anybody. If I'm honest, if it gets me heat, it gets me heat. But I'm not going. I'm not going to use this as this form as a way to do it. But there is a guy, a manager from Kentucky, mm-hmm. that happens every time Monday night comes on. I see him post. I heard there's some cut rate wrestling show on TV tonight, and I'm just like, really. Does that make you look good to your wrestling fans? I mean, the ones that, you know, the, the, the 60 that pay to see you every week. And, I mean, it just makes you look like a bitter, bitter guy because my response to that is, okay, they're where they're at, you're where they're at. Everybody's where they need to be. 
you're obviously not good enough to get to that kind of stage. And it's just, you know, be appreciative of what you have, but you're not going to gain anything by bashing somebody else's promotion. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like uh, something I posted on Facebook the other night. It was a meme that it, it was a picture of a ring, and it was in front of a packed house, and it was obviously an independent show. And it says at the top, it says, promote what you love. And at the bottom, it says, stop bashing what you hate. And I wish that more people would get to that mentality, you know, because when I first got the, the indie wrestling channel on the Roku box, I was watching some of that stuff. and I'm like, some of this stuff is really, really good. And then some of the stuff is just garbage. And, you know, and I was putting reviews of each company up there. Well, the bad ones, you know, I would put the review blasting it. And then I was like, well, you know what? That doesn't make me any better than them by getting on Facebook and saying, well, this, this company sucks. Cause you know, honestly, what if they're actually trying their hardest to get people to come to their shows? And then I'm on there bashing them for what they're trying to do and what they think is good and all that stuff. And I was like, well, I'm just going to keep quiet on the promotions that I think is bad because what I think is bad, somebody else might think is excellent. You know, and what I think is excellent, somebody else might look at it and say, well, that sucks. You know, mm -hmm. it's everybody's got an opinion. They're entitled to that opinion. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. But I really despise it when somebody gets on there and say, well, so-and-so sucks. This this era of wrestling sucked. Um, this and this and this. Well, you know what? We had the rock and wrestling era, which mm -hmm. was great. We had the attitude era, which was great. And uh, we had the, uh, what was that, uh, Ruthless Aggression era. Yeah. I thought that was great. And then now mm -hmm. we're in the PG era, and everybody's going, oh, PG sucks, PG this and PG that. You know what? PG era does not suck, and I'll tell you why. Because they have limitations on what they can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And they, have, they now have investors and shareholders that they have to please every week so they can't do certain things. They can do some things, but then they don't want to tread into that water, you well, know, to piss they, off those investors because they'll pull they out. Really, they really could, but two things happen. The whole the whole public company, I don't think, is a factor because they've been a publicly traded company since '99. Mm -hmm. um, to me, what started all this was Benoit, because Benoit almost killed the wrestling business. Yeah. And if you notice after that, they didn't make the jump completely to PG, but they started the slow the slow transition. And then Chris Jericho, and Jericho talked about this on his podcast and in his newest book. Um, he said, one thing that really got on behind PG was me and Shawn Michaels' angle from 2008 when I bloodied him at the Great American Bash. Mm -hmm. They said, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And the only thing I disagree with on the new era is the fact that if somebody gets bleeding, they stop the match. And if they, yeah, and if they can't stop myself. the bleeding, then they stop the match completely. And I'm just like, what happens if we're at WrestleMania? Say, let's say Roman Reigns wins the, the Rumble and Brock's still champion. Brock knocks open Reigns on a punch in the first five minutes. So does that mean that the WrestleMania main event has got to end if they can't stop the bleeding? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You might as well fold cup the WWE up because they're done. Yeah, I mean, if that was to happen, you're going to have a lot of people asking for refunds, and, you know, I just yeah. don't see that happening. Um, you know, the thing is, I wish that 
you know, if somebody does get cut open or something like that, you know, just just let it go. You know, the referee puts on the rubber gloves, let it go. You know, as long as as um, nobody's seriously injured, you know, just let it go and let them go ahead and, and you know and do, you know finish the match and this and that and all that. Yeah, I agree. All right, since we that's our that's we're gonna keep track, ladies and gentlemen. That's tangent number two we've went on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's many more to come. Yes. We've completely gotten off subject. Uh, out of 98, what would you would say was the worst pay-per-view out of all 12 that you can remember? I already know. Oh, uh, the worst. Uh, I I think I actually liked all of them that year for some reason. My least favorite that, one was mainly because of the main event was No Way Out of Texas. Oh, that's where uh, uh, they had to replace uh, somebody with uh, Savio Shawn, Vega. Shawn Michaels. Oh, we got a big replacement. Here comes Savio Vega of War Clause. Like, yeah, I, I will say really? that one was probably my least favorite, too. <laughs> I watched that in the, for the entirety back a couple, few months ago for the first time, and I was just like, eh, that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> the whole pay-per-view sucked. The only no, yeah. The only bright spot was when Vader... Hit, uh, got hit with that lead pipe by uh, Kane, and then they tried to sell you the next night that even though you could see his face wasn't broken, they tried to tell you that, oh, it just shattered his entire face. No, they should have, should, honestly, they should have killed Vader. Yeah, Ventruso, Ventruso. <laughs> that was a Ventruso call right there. Um, what did you think of Austin's title run? I thought it was excellent. I thought it, it built to a crescendo at uh, WrestleMania. You know him chasing the belt, and then finally he gets it at WrestleMania, and then he get he goes off and defends it. But the whole time that he's defending the belt, he's still got this ongoing thing with Vince McMahon, you know, that's running neck and neck with whoever he happens to be facing at the time. And I think that 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 added more to everything that Austin did during his uh, first title run, um, because he you know he did you know the the bottom line of the story, uh, pun intended. The bottom line of the story was Vince McMahon did not want somebody like Steve Austin to represent his company as champion. And he was going to do whatever it took to make sure that Austin lost that belt to, you know, whoever. And when you have the boss of the company, you know, the main guy, hate your guts and will do anything to stop you from being on top. That's just as good as of, of an angle as uh, you know Austin versus Tim versus Kane, Austin versus you know Undertaker, because you've got this neck and neck running storyline that goes on with that as well, and yes, I think and it, it just complemented every single thing that Austin did. And it all seemed like it was leading up to a one on one match with Vince, with, yeah. which it eventually happened. It happened with with Vince and. Austin in a cage at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Do you think that was the right pay-per-view to have that, or do you think they should have had it a little later, after, either at WrestleMania or after WrestleMania? Uh, I think if they put it at WrestleMania, I don't think it would be viable as a title match because, you know, nobody's going to no, buy it. I'm not saying because Rock was champion. Well, Mankind technically was champion of St. Valentine's Day Massacre, but he lost it the next night to The Rock. Oh, okay, yeah. Um they could have had it. They could have had it at WrestleMania because there was so much heat built up for it, and there was so much steam behind it. Um, but also, too, I think too that you would, looking back on the list of opponents that 
Austin had at WrestleManias, you would look and you would see, um, okay, The Rock, you know, so on and so forth, blah, 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 Vince McMahon, and you're like, eh. You know, which one sticks out like a sore thumb? But the match that they did have at St. Valentine's Day Massacre, though, did deliver. Mm-hmm. And it and it was a good, exciting match, and the crowd was eating it up. Yeah, and that was also the the debut of uh, Big Show too. Mm-hmm. Coming up through the ring, uh, yeah. my grandpa watched the uh, Monday Night War where they were talking about the defections, and mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh my God, that's Big Show!" Because <laughs> my grandpa didn't really get into wrestling until I, I got into the business, and. Um, and I've been kind of re-educating him on certain, on some things because he'll, you know, if I, if I show him anything WCW, he's like, with the exception of Hogan, Savage, and Piper, I have no clue, and Flair, I have no clue who any of them other guys are. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> even recognize you on there. I was never on WCW. You sure? I'm positive. <laughs> Couldn't help it. <laughs> but, I, uh, I mean, I, I think I would know. I know Max Sleb was on there a lot. Yeah, he was trying to do that little dance and... And yeah, he had the he had the disco fever, disco fever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to join the wolf pack. <laughs> I love the disco inferno. <laughs> I posted something the other night. I was watching something. It might have been the Monday Night Wars or, or stupid gimmicks or something like that. Where they had Scott Steiner beating up the duck, beating up the duck. The disco inferno started bringing out the. Out to the ring with him, and Scott Steiner's beating it with a pipe, and he's going, "I hate ducks." And it was just the funniest thing that I. <laughs> Scott Steiner beating up the duck. My <laughs> oh my have, god! Have you seen the quick hit on the quick hits on the network? Yes. Like I get, it, and the first thing they talk about it, they have is a clip of Sid, of saying, you know, you know, it's you know, making fun of me is is not good and. You know, I'm 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 twice the man that that both of you are, and and I got half the brain that you do. <laughs> and then they come back to Scott Stall, Scott High, blah, blah, Scott Hall, and he's sitting there and he looks over at Kevin Nash and he's like, "What the? What did he just say?" That was great. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, oh. oh wee. Uh, but back to the Austin everybody. Uh, I always thought it would have been a better idea. Of course, you know, we're all amateur bookers when it comes to WWE and what they've done and what they haven't done. And what I thought would have been a better deal was to have Austin face a member of the corporation, maybe boss man, even though that probably wouldn't have been the greatest match in the world, at St. Valentine's Day Massacre for the number one contender spot, have Austin go over, obviously, at WrestleMania, Austin Rock, Austin goes over like the original, and then have it backlash. Then I would have had Austin McMahon, because McMahon's thought process could have been, you know, I can't trust none of these other guys to take the belt from keep the belt from Austin, so I'm going to do it myself. And then that's where, you know, Austin whoops his ass. and I mean, Do it at WrestleMania? No, no, the pay-per-view after WrestleMania. Oh, okay, okay. You know, pretty much, you know, Rock, you fail. Boss Man, you fail. Um, I had to eliminate Austin from the Rumble, even though I technically had the Rock's help. So I'm going to do it in a steel cage at Backlash. And then blow it off there. But 
in 99, I thought that the whole, when they started infusing the Undertaker in with the Austin McMahon angle, the whole ministry, I thought that was not good. I mean, it wasn't, really? it wasn't WCW horrible, but it to me, it just couldn't have been better. Well, I liked it because I just think that operation was, at that time, it was almost played out. Um, mm-hmm. They had a bunch of guys in there that, that people really didn't, you know, care for, like, uh, I like the boss, man, but, you know, he wasn't getting the reaction he was when he was there in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And they had, like, Ken Shamrock, you know, which who was moderately over, you know, but he wasn't the best worker, you know. And then they had, like, uh, Test, I believe, was in there. I think when they added the ministry guys in there, I think that added to it because, boom, you got this whole corporation, uh, well, conglomerate of – two big factions, you know, and supposedly it's their top guys. And then uh, I thought it worked pretty well, but it started a mishmash a little bit toward the end of uh, the conglomeration of uh, the ministry and the corporation, though, I think. Yeah, well, to me, it kind of they kind of suffered the same problems that the NWO suffered. You have so many guys, you can't fit them all in a ring, and then you got guys that's lost in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Which was th- thankfully that was when the brood separated from the ministry, which I was always a big fan of the brood. Um, who else? Who else separate? Did, uh, see, the else? ministry had uh, it had the brood, it had um, APA, um, Midian, Viscera. They became a tag team, mm-hmm. but not for very long because uh, Midian decided to take his clothes off and streak through the arenas. Uh, which I thought, which I thought was the funniest thing. Everybody else hates it, but I thought it was the funniest thing ever. Because you're sitting there watching Raw, and all of a sudden here comes a naked guy running through, and you're like, "What in the?" Way? And he's wearing a fanny pack to cover up his naughty bits. I but, honestly uh, think that was a rib on Michael P.S. Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of the fanny pack. Especially after listening to Jericho's podcast, I listened to his podcast with the Hardy Boys, and they'd say. Yeah. Talking about fanny packs back in the day, and there's like, but Jericho's like, you know who still wears one to this day? And Matt was like, let me guess, Michael P.S.A. He said, yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, if I could find mine, I'd still be wearing mine right now. I had one when I was a kid, but I kept my toy, my wrestling figures in it, and <laughs> I'd, I'd still like to own a pair of Zubas, though. Did you? I you had, ever- I had like 20 pairs. I had a pair of, um, I had a pair, I had a tie-dye t-shirt on one day, a pair of American flag pants, and then a pair of Shaq Gnosis tennis shoes. Do you remember those? Yes. It looked like black and white bullseyes. So, I mean, I look like, I look crazy. I mean, I look like some kind of, out of some cartoon. And I had a big bright, bright blonde mullet to go along with. There's a fanny pack hanging in front. And I had my big Zach Morris cell phone in my pocket, so it was making my pocket stick out two feet. And then, uh, you know, of course, the women, I would go to the mall, and women would walk up to me and be like, is that a phone you're about? And I'd be like, no, I'm just happy to see you, baby. <laughs> That's great. That's, and then they that, find that, out that was a lie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the fu- where'd everything go? <laughs> <laughs> it was all the cell phone. <laughs> it's a work. <laughs> it was a psychological ploy. Fave the gimmick, man. Fave the gimmick. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, of course, 1999, which we've kind of moved on to. Um, <laughs> yeah, we skipped like two, seven years. Yeah, well, we're going to go back to them. I mean, we're, we're not. We're going. We're going to get as much as we can in tonight. And if what we don't get, and guess what, people? Sorry. Ninety nine didn't go without its share of tragedy. Uh, yeah. For the wrestling world was the infamous Owen Hart plunge from the ceiling. Um, I wasn't watching wrestling at the time, and when I could, I was only allowed to watch WCW for the obvious reasons. Um, WWF was more adult, and I was still a teenager. Uh, in my, in, I was like 13, 14 years old. Um, was you watching that pay-per-view when Owen fell? Absolutely. I had a house full of people over. I'll never forget it. Um, we were sitting there watching, and they were going to a video package of the Blue Blazer uh, versus Godfather. And um, during the the video package, you hear Jim Ross go, uh, we got big problems out here. And then I looked at my friend Mike, and I was like, uh, something ain't right. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, did you hear what Jim Ross just said? And he said, yeah. And he didn't think anything else of it. And they cut back, and they cut to a crowd shot. And uh, then it cuts to um, Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross. And Jim Ross is explaining what happened. That Owen Hart had fell. Owen Hart, who was portraying the Blue Blazer, was to be lowered into the ring, and something went wrong, and he had fell about seventy to eighty feet in the ring, and uh, he's unconscious in the ring right now. We've got people out here to, you know, and he and he kept saying, "This is not a part of an angle. This is not part of a storyline. Anything like this. this is real life." You know, and as soon as we figure out, you know, what's going on. Um, will notify everybody. Well, as soon as that happened, I lost interest in the pay-per-view except for what they were talking about Owen Hart because I immediately ran to my computer, got on AOL because um, that was, you know, what I was using at the time. That and, was pretty much the Internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, I had to wait for the dial-up connection. But um, I'm sitting there, I'm scouring the Internet for anything I can find about the, the pay-per-view or Owen Hart or any news on Owen Hart and everything like that. And I can't find anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, something comes up, says accident, WWF uh, wrestling show. So I'm reading it, but it's just pretty much stating what Jim Ross had just said. So I kind of go back and forth between the TV and the computer. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with Owen Hart. And I go back in there, and the the very next thing they cut to after uh, Jim Ross talks is a promo with Jeff Jarrett and Deborah. And they're both in tears. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this cannot be good at all. And then the very last thing Jeff Jarrett says is, oh, and I'm praying for you, buddy. And he can, couldn't hardly get it out. And uh, mm-hmm. I was like, something bad, bad, bad has happened. And then uh, they go, you know, a few more matches on the pay-per-view. And then it comes back on. And Jim Ross says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I have the unfortunate uh, task of letting everybody know that Owen Hart has passed away. And uh, at that point, the whole mood in the, in the room that I was in just went through the floor. And we we're just like, oh, man. And we were just sitting there. We were floored by what we had just heard. And we just couldn't believe it. So I immediately, I get right back up, you know, go back. To, to the internet, but I can't connect because everybody's ringing my phone off the hook. And that, you know, there's a yeah. dial up connection at that time. 
everybody's ringing my phone off the hook. And of course I'm not answering it. Cause I know if I answer it, I'll be on the phone forever, you know, and I'm tr- I'm just trying to find out what's going on and, you know, what had actually happened to him and all this and all that. And, um, of course I can't connect to the internet because somebody, you know, everybody's calling and they're leaving messages. Oh my, oh my gosh, Owen Hart's dead. Owen Hart's dead. And, you know, then the next person will call Owen Hart's dead. The next person will call. I just heard Owen Hart died. You know, so the news traveled extremely fast because some of these people that were calling me weren't even wrestling fans and they had already heard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's bad to have mainstream publicity for that reason. Yes. And, you know, I hated that that had to become mainstream, but if it didn't become mainstream, then that would have been uh, disrespectful of Owen Hart if it wasn't mainstream. Now, do you agree with the decision to keep the pay-per-view on the air? I do, and I'll tell you why. Because you had a lot of people that had ordered the pay-per-view. You had a lot of people that have uh, bought tickets to be there. And if you would have immediately stopped right then, you, you could have done one of two things. You could have either gave everybody their money back, or you could have uh, offered a uh, another ticket for the next time they, they were there, a free ticket for the next time they were there, as long as they had an over-the-edge ticket with them yeah. you know, when they went to purchase their ticket. And that would, have, that would have caused a huge financial situation with the company, and I'm sure they thought of that, but the ultimate decision was to go ahead and leave it on the air because the thing is, is the people at home don't know what happened. They just they know that there's been an accident. Owen Hart has died, mm-hmm. but they're not they're not giving you a reason why and all that stuff. So people are that are watching at home are still, you know, up in the air about what happened, mm-hmm. and you know, and kids that were watching and all that stuff, you know, they they just want to see some wrestling. Yeah, you know. So and, well, and I'm no I'm not, I'm not wording it correctly. Oh, you're, you get you're the gist fine. of what I'm saying, right? Yeah, um, I've got China's autobiography, which not the greatest in the world, but she talks about Owen dying, and um, she said when she went out with her match, I think she managed Triple H against The Rock, and she said I couldn't believe after what happened to Owen that these people were yelling at me like this, and she didn't get it until later, but no, the entire evening nobody announced to the live crowd that Owen had died. Not yeah, one and, person knew. And, and you know, um, a lot of people initially thought it was a dummy that was dropped from the ceiling mm-hmm. instead of an actual human being. And um, they should have announced it. Yes. And they should have given the opportunity. I think they they did right by keeping the show going. You know, because yeah. like they said, the show must go on, which is the most overused cliche ever. But, yeah. you know, the show does have to go on. But they should have given the opportunity to the fans that paid for a ticket the next time that they were in. It was in Kansas City, right? Yes. Uh, Kemper Arena, somewhere in Kansas City, yeah. The next time they were coming back to Kansas City, you know, if you'd like to, you know, you can go ahead and leave now. Just, you know, have them issue you uh, a ticket, you know, a return ticket or something like that, a return voucher or something for the next time that we're here. And, you know, go ahead and print it off a whole bunch of, uh, uh, tickets real quick, and I know they can they can print tickets at will because you know yeah. I knew somebody that used to work for Ticketmaster, but they could have done that I believe. But I'm sure though that they probably didn't have another date booked yet 
to come back in that building. But yeah. still, they could have given some kind of voucher for the next time that they did come into that building. Mm-hmm. And you also got to look too, you know, WWF or WWE or whatever you want to call them today. They don't go to open a show with those kind of contingencies. And you really, when something like that happens, you really don't know what to do. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a react event, not it's a reactive event. I mean, it's it's we, not something that you can plan for, and you know, in yeah. advance and all that stuff. Well, we need you to. Know, have, and I'm sure know. that when it happened, I'm sure that when it happened, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm sure that oh, when it okay. happened. It was full-blown panic mode in the yes. back. Mm-hmm. And every, I'm sure a thousand people were coming to Vince and, you know, going, Vince, what, what should we do? And then Vince is sitting there going, I, 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 I. And then finally he said, you know, heck with it. You know, go on with the show. Yeah, because I know Jeff Jarrett and Deborah and who did who, – who, Val Venus and I think Nicole Bass. <laughs> yeah, they Nicole Bass. Rushed. They were the they very got, next match. They got rushed out to the ring as fast as possible. Yeah. And – because I've got a copy, and I don't know if you do, I've got a copy of the original pay-per-view broadcast. I do, too, uh, yeah. A buddy of mine bought it off eBay, and I burned burned myself a, a copy. And have, have you watched the pay-per-view on the, on the network? No, I haven't watched it on the network. They have cut out any and all mention of Owen Hart on that pay-per-view. Really? I thought they left it intact. No, they cut it. They cut out the announcing of his death. They cut out that he fell. They cut out the, bla- the blazer. Uh, package, they cut it all. Really? Now, yeah. I, now I was told that when the WWE Network was going to first start, that was one of the things where they're going to leave the Owen Hart death in. And I think that was mainly was towards. Yes. I think that was mainly towards Benoit, because you know there was a lot of questions. Is uh, you know are they going to cut Benoit from? Because Benoit is probably in fifty percent of the WCW library they have that they were going to air as far as the pay per views go. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of cutting and um you know you know, as much as I don't you know I don't condone what Benoit did, I don't think anybody is will. I still don't want to see him cut from it just because that would be saying that, you know, he never existed and that's not true. Um but they, yeah, they cut out every, everything in that pay per view with Owen Hart. I mean he's still on everything else, but um uh, as far as that goes, they, they cut it all out, and I don't, I don't get why they do it. Uh, I thought Benoit left more of a black eye to the business than the death of Owen Hart did, but James Isaacs. James Isaacs is in our chat room tonight. Um, oh God! Just shut the show down now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's typing, but he said that is one of the things. Those things you will never forget where you were when it happened, like the space shuttle Challenger explosion or the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, and and he says I have it on VHS. Thomas, correct, it is cut to pieces. Uh, tell him, uh, tell him he still owes me forty bucks for TNA tickets. Oh, I don't have to tell him. You just told him yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my money? Where's my money at, man? Uh, <laughs> all right, so. We we talked about Owen Hart a little. Let's move on a little bit. Uh, what one more bit? There was two big t- ticket items in '99, but I'm only going to for for time constraints. I'm only going to really talk about one, and that was the rise of Triple H. Mm-hmm. Triple H, he's got he's got that asterisk by his name that he's married to the boss's daughter, but at the time he was not. Um, of course, the year ended with the with the McMahon Helmsley regime 
beginning. But what did you think about that and that calendar year, the rise of Triple H from DX comedy figure to world champion? I think it was the right thing to do. Um, you know, like I said, uh, he's always going to have the asterisk by his name. But you know what? I think that you should go ahead and just erase that asterisk because that guy earned it. He mm-hmm. earned his spot. He earned everything that he's that he's got today. Um, yep. You know, he's got he's got he's a millionaire. He's what the the second or third guy down in the company, mm-hmm. and he's got a hot wife. Yeah, he does. You know, <laughs> like, not to mention the hot wife is also the boss's daughter, but we won't go there. The guy earned his spot because at that time, I don't think that anybody worked any harder than Triple H. They brought him in as the um, the aristocrat. You know, coming from WCW, he was a blue blood, and then came over to WWF, and he was the uh, the uh, New England aristocrat. You know, I'm better than you because I'm rich guy. And that was an okay gimmick, I thought. But then when they took him from that, put him with DX, um, that was magic. And that mm-hmm. brought out his personality. And it took the, the aristocrat, uh, any semblance of the aristocrat gimmick that he still had, took all that away from him and gave him this DX gimmick. And then after that, boom. I think once he became the leader of DX, that's when his momentum hit. Yes. Um, I was telling you earlier about Jericho's podcast before we went on the air, and and he does an interview with Triple H, Triple H, which was very good. Um, Here's something that you probably didn't know. When they first started to do the DX real-life type of deal, he actually had the option to change his name from Hunter Hearst Helmsley to Paul Levesque, and he didn't. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Because they were getting rid of all the you know the the job names and all that, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Um, and he he had that option, and he 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 thankfully didn't do it. Um, and he also that. Which you probably know that before Michaels got hurt, X Pac was never supposed to come back to WWE. They wasn't really? going to pick. They was not going to pick him up. It was originally supposed to be Hunter, Shawn Michaels, and the Outlaws in China, and that's it. And then Shawn got hurt, and Triple H didn't want it to be a trio. Hmm. He wanted it to what? be because he said that oh, yeah. that would have been no different than me, Shawn, and. It'd have been no different than me shining rude. I mean, it would it wouldn't have got the mileage out of it if if we'd have done yeah. it that way. Now I think you you mentioned Rick Rude in DX, and a lot of people forget that he was in there. Mm-hmm. But you know, I always enjoyed Rick Rude. I thought his work was awesome. He was a phenomenal uh, performer. Uh, I liked his WCW work more than I did his WWF work. Yeah, uh, with but the, with the exception I, of I his don't... run with. With uh, which I wasn't even a big fan of his run with Jake Jake Roberts. I to me the, the only good run he really had was his run with Warrior, and that was it. That was an excellent run. Yeah, but um, I didn't really think that he was a right fit with DX. I me think either. you know him as a bodyguard type person would have fit with somebody else, but it didn't fit with DX because they really didn't they really didn't use him for anything. He was just well, kind of there. To me, it kind of it kind of reminds me of the same thing as you know, if Goldberg's such an unstoppable badass, why does he need a full security team to walk him to the ring? You know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the illusion. And, yeah, and of course, you know, if 
it's again, if something like that was to exist in today's wrestling world, the fans, no matter how good it is, the fans would shit on it. Just because yeah, exactly. And exactly. All right. Now, now that we're done with 99, um, which the other hot topic was Austin getting hurt, but we all know that that mainly opened the doors for the rock to become a mega, mega baby face bigger than he already was. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump to 95, which to me, even though they technically started the new generation a couple years earlier than that in 93, to me, this was the actual new generation. Uh, it began with Diesel just winning the belt from Bob Backlund in six seconds. Razor Ramon was the champion, but soon lost it to to Jarrett. And I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the tag. I don't think there was tag team champions at the beginning of the year. I think the, it was a tournament going on that ended at the Rumble. That and that ter- that final match led to the WrestleMania main event, which was Bigelow versus Taylor. Which it's to me, we'll jump straight into that. To me, a lot of the wrestlers from the WWE talked about how good it was, but I thought it should never have been in the la- the last match. What did you think? I think it was perfect at the spot it was at because uh, the the press was there for it. Uh, that's the main reason the press was there for it. That's one of the main reasons why you had casual fans buying the pay-per-view because they wanted to see Lawrence Taylor wrestle. And to me, you know, the true main event is the, the world title match. Yes. You know, I think that should always be your focus. You know, but the thing is, though, is all these people that you normally wouldn't hook with a world title match were buying this pay-per-view to see this this athlete, you know, celebrity guy that has never been in a wrestling ring before in his life take on this big, you know, guy with the flames on his head and all that stuff. They wanted to see Lawrence Taylor wrestle. And then, of course, too, you know, ESPN picked it up. Uh, All these sports channels picked it up. Um, Sports Illustrated was picked up on it. And then you had, you look at ringside and you see all this press and all these photographers just filling it up and everything. I think it was at the perfect spot. I think I think mm-hmm. that should have been in the main event and that you know I think it was right at the right spot it needed to be. However, I am still extremely perturbed that on every uh video release <laughs> that Salt and Pepper is cut out. That has got to be we was talking about Owen Hart or Owen Hart's paper, death pay-per-view being cut to pieces. But to me, WrestleMania 11, the most censored and edited WWE video ever. <laughs> Ever. Ever cut to pieces, and you know, I remember I I didn't get to physically watch the pay per view when it happened, but you remember in the old days of pay per view, even if you didn't order it, you could still have it the audio playing with the big scrambled TV, the the scrambled picture that sometimes come in the focus for the entire event. And uh, ours was just a black screen, well, no audio. <laughs> they. I remember that they, when they put it out on tape, they switched the matches. Because on the original pay-per-view, Diesel and Sean were the last match. Because um, if you, and I remember a line. Of course, it's been cut out now, where it was so it's so edited. But right before Diesel power bombed Sean, which was the worst fucking power bomb I've ever seen in my life. Uh, before he powerbomb Sean, you hear Vince McMahon go, "Is he going to powerbomb Shawn Michaels like Lawrence Taylor did?" Bigelow, Bam Bam Bigelow. Well, here's the th- here's the thing, and I will correct you on this. On the actual live pay per view, could... the Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bigelow match was the last match. Okay, so did they um, switch it on the tape? 
Uh, that's what I'm that, thinking they're doing. And they added, added commentary that, in. Okay. But, yeah, on the actual live pay-per-view, yeah. On the actual live pay-per-view, the title match was before the Lawrence-Taylor okay. match. That title so. match was great, with the exception of uh, them trying to push Diesel too hard. Yeah. Uh, having him kick out at one on Sean's super kick. Yeah. And you can hear the crowd in the background booing their ass off. <laughs> well, you talk about that being the worst powerbomb you've, you've ever seen. Um, do you remember the next night on Raw? Uh, the, when, the the big turn that happened during the commercial? Well, uh, yeah, with Sid. Mm-hmm. He turned on Shawn Michaels, and he went to, to powerbomb him. And I don't know what happened when they got to the height of the powerbomb, but when they got up top there, it's just like Sid just stopped caring about life. And just <laughs> dropped Let him it. go. Yeah, yeah, just like whatever. Hey, I've had a backdrop that happened that ended like that. The one that, I probably did that. The one? No, it was. Uh, um, you remember? He come in for a couple shots. He worked for Jamie Stone. His name was Josh Hatfield. Um, good kid, but I didn't know he was green at the time, and really green. And I was just like, well, I take he's a, he's a pretty good build. And, you know, I've, I got told to put him over a little bit in our tag match. And I was like, well, I'll let you backdrop me, you know, and it, it looked like a million bucks. He's like, okay. And I was like, we went, we go for it. And, of course, Stone's ring is a little wobbly. Um, had a <laughs> lot of bounce to it, maybe a little too much bounce to it. And he gets me up, the ring wobbles, and he just let me go. And oh. didn't, didn't guide me all the way back so I could cut the flip. And when I did, I come right down on my neck and shoulder. Broke my clavicle in half. Uh my first I remember wrestling. you telling me about that, but I don't I don't remember the guy though. And I still have problems out of my shoulder to this day because of that. Thanks, and Josh Hatfield. Yes, it sucked. And and ever since and back I used to love taking backdrops. Me and Stevie Phillips used to have a contest. Every show we worked, if if we worked with somebody big enough to get them to us, because you know sometimes X like to bring in them little guys. Um What's wrong we with little see, guys? I I take well, uh, I take offense to your comments this evening, sir. Well, when you have somebody like me that likes to bump, when I work a little guy, I don't get to do a lot of bumping. You get it? And Because uh, <laughs> it doesn't look realistic, and Zodiac's the one Dave. that kind of whipped my ass over that. Because I used to bump. When I first started, I bumped for everybody. It didn't matter if it was Jack Black or Mighty Midget Short Dog. I'd take a bump from them. And... Uh, <laughs> um, and I used to love to take the backdrop. And after that, it was just like, nah, yeah, it's like, you know, where I tore my knee up with the black hole slam. When I come back, I'm probably going to have a new finish because it's just, you know, I'm always going to think about protecting my knee. And same way with my shoulder. But Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm going to come up with a new finish. It's just going to be a stay at home. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what the name going, of it's going to be, just stay at home. <laughs> I thought about going back to the Ace Crusher. Um, I thought about going not. back to. I thought about going back to. What are you going to do? You're staying at home. <laughs> I'll show up for that show. You're going to give me heat on your couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call, and I'm gonna call whoever's in the dressing room, and then they're gonna bring the phone out there, and I'm gonna tell. I'm, I'm having hand you the phone or stick it up to the microphone. I'm just gonna say, "Don't you do it, Tom? Don't you do it, Tom?" Uh. No, I don't care what anybody does. I stole it from somebody else myself. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll probably go back to using the code breaker, which I had a lot of fun out of that finish. Because I got there when I was using it, when um, 
<laughs> James Isaac said Blade just pulled the patented phone it in move. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else is going to have to dial the number, though, because I'm too lazy to do that. I hear that. But I, <laughs> when you were managing me and I was using that code breaker, I, could, I, I got to where I could hit it out of nowhere. I could jump off the middle rope and hit it. I remember one time I had that briefcase, and I tossed it to Devin Blake. He caught it, and I code breaked him, gave him the code breaker on the briefcase with it in between yeah, my knees and him. You almost and, broke me in half with it, too, one night, you jerk. Yeah. Uh, Jeez. But anyway, no, kidding, that, was tangent, that was tangent number 25, ladies and gentlemen, to everybody <laughs> keeping count at home. Uh, <laughs> What's the subject of the show, anyway? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, James Isaac I'm pretty sure we skewered it already. Yeah. James Isaac said, just press your life alert, Blade. Oh, what's he know? <laughs> I had was... 25 White Castles last night, so I'm going to be, uh, oh, you know what I'm going to be doing after the show. You're you're going to be putting over your toilet here in a minute. Um, yes, I am. Um, speaking of James <laughs> Isaacs, I do got to say this because I don't get to talk to him as much as I used to when I was running full-time for Felony and Cujo. Uh, James was somebody that I first remember when I first started coming to Georgetown. I don't know if he was at the first few shows. He probably was. Um, always giving me an, a, a huge amount of shit. And I told Felony, I was like, I'm not going to work him anymore when I go to the ring. Why? She's like, his insults are better than mine. <laughs> and I'm pretty damn good at it. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I was just like, I could run with the best of them, and I think I just broke up a little bit there because I'm playing with the 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 audio thing on my on my. He was there from day one. I don't remember much about the first days of UWF, to be honest with you, James, because I was going through some stuff with my mom passing. But um, if so, those first about the first month and a half of UW my UWF time was me and autopilot. Uh, to the point where I was losing every week, and you know, you know, we we don't give a shit about wins and losses, but eventually they you got to start winning or nobody will ever buy you. And and I was just so gone at the time that I was like, I don't pin me, I don't give. And 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 that's highly understandable because I went through that too. And you know, the thing is, is my mom passed away in 2012, September 29, 2012, and um, I've never gotten over it, and I'm never going to get over it. And it's it's like. When something that traumatic happens to you, it's like your life goes on autopilot. You know, yeah. you know you got to be places. You know you got to do things. But the thing is, though, is you just get to the point where you don't really care. You know, mm-hmm. because you realize that you know that there's things more important than wrestling. You know. Yeah. And I hate to say I hate to say it like that, but you know, losing a member of a family is, especially your mother, is very traumatic. You know, because that's that's the woman that gave birth to you, and that's you know the person that, uh, that raised you yeah, and taught exactly. you right from wrong, and so on and so forth. I will say that I think wrestling saved me at that point because yeah. I'd went, I'd went about nine months without working, and it had nothing to do with my mom. It was just X had closed USWF, and I was just being a lazy lazy asshole, and to the point where I was like, ah, oh, if it's if we're done, if I never wrestle another match, which I'm kind of at this point now. If when if I never wrestle another match, it'll be okay. And and I was at that point and fell in. And I don't know if Felony or Kuja's ever told this, and you know it's part part of it's my story, so I don't mind to tell it. 
Uh, now, again, people, I know we're off on the off the subject matter, but I mean, not yet, Andrew. Soon, buddy. Um, in about ten minutes, we're going to take ten fifteen minutes. We're going to take calls. Um, and UWF originally started out as m- me trying to buy USWF from right at that. <laughs> I had tried to get a loan to do it. Uh, X told me how much he he wanted, which I think was around six grand. And I went and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna go get a ten. I'm gonna try to get a loan for ten grand." I cleaned up my credit. You're okay, Andrew. I tried to clean up my credit a little bit so I could get the loan. Of course, Dave's like, "Well, we can give you about five hundred bucks." And I was like, "Well, not really gonna do me." <laughs> yeah. I was gonna. My goal was to, you know, I was gonna get ten. I was gonna use six to pay it. 300 of that to, for the bond, um, and then the rest to run my first couple shows and, and pretty much have a silent partner for the for the, for the profits of the first couple shows because I was going to try and keep it in McKinney. Of course, that never happened, and that turned into Cujo and Felony opening up UWF, and I don't know the status of UWF. I talked to Felony the last couple of days a little bit, but it's one of – I'm not asked, and it, to me it's really not my place to ask. Yeah. But uh, – but before we take calls, let's cover one more topic from 95, and it was the legendary, awfulest gimmicks in the world that the WWF put on all their job guys. Oh. <laughs> oh, at one time you had Mantar, T.L. Hopper, Freddie Joe Floyd, uh, Alex the Pug Porto, uh, you had a bunch more, and they were just the worst gimmicks ever. I mean, you know, you got Tracy Smothers, who was like uber talented, you know, and I love Tracy to I love Tracy to death. And you know, of course, you know it's it's so you can't fault him for that. And you know, you got to do what they tell you to do. So if they say you're going to go out and be afraid of Joe Floyd, where you going to be afraid of Joe Floyd from uh, Bowlegs, Arkansas? But I just wish they could have kept him at Tracy Smothers. Um, mm-hmm. because I think that would have been a little bit more respectful. I don't think it was disrespectful to call him Fred Joe Floyd, because I know that's a rib on the Briscoe brothers. And uh, did you know that? No, I did not. Yeah, it's uh, one of their, I think it's like uh, Jack Floyd Briscoe or something like that, and Gerald mm-hmm. Freddie or, or something like that. Something to that effect. It was like their mm-hmm. middle names and, and stuff. But I really wish they would have kept him as Tracy Smothers because I think, you know, people knew who he was. He'd been on WCW for years as Tracy Smothers, you know, one half of the Young Pistols and, you know, all this and all that. And, you know, he's been in in Memphis, you know, of course, you know, we saw Memphis as we were growing up. And, you know, so we knew him as Tracy Smothers. But, you know, to the world, to a global promotion, you know, everybody else may not have known him. But still, I mean, I really wish they would kept him as Tracy Smothers. Same with Pretty White Boy. Uh, they made him, uh, you know, from the Dirty White Boy, they made him into the T.L. Hopper, which was the wrestling plumber. <laughs> and uh, that was, that was it was funny, but horrible at the same time. Yeah. Mantar, however, I think was just awful. Yes. I don't think the guy was that talented. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him, and uh, I think he came from Smoky Mountain Wrestling, right? Yeah. I didn't think he was that talented at all, but then again, too, that kind of overlaps what I said earlier about um, you can't say that somebody sucks because you're not there. But, yeah. I, you know, I could say that I wasn't a fan of his, and I wasn't a fan of his work. 
However, the Mantar gimmick was just dumb. Yeah. Half man, half bull. Bull, yeah. And, that, and uh, he only wore the bull's head the first time he ever come out, and that was it. Oh, he, gosh. I, th- it was I so think horrible. he was on like. I think he was on like three Monday Night Raws. Of course, this was back when Monday Night Raw was an hour long and half of it was squash matches. Um, and then he uh, was on at the Royal Rumble, which he got eliminated rather quickly. Um, which did you know that Mantar's I think brother or cousin was in WCW? Uh, it was Bruiser Bedlam, wasn't it? PN News. PN, that was his brother. Yes. I thought Bruiser Bedlam was his brother. Nope. Wow, was, I did not know that. And there was actually one, before we go to break, there was actually one guy that turned down uh, an opportunity to be one of the enhancement guys with a gimmick. Can you guess who it was? Who was? He actually he went on to become a very ma- a major star. Really? Can you guess who it who was? was? Chris Jericho. Um, really? Yes. Jim Cornette was doing the booking then. He was getting. Smoky Mountain was on its last legs, and he had started doing booking again for the WWF. And he called Jericho and said, "You know, you know, they're job guys, but they're not job guys. You know, they they got a gimmick." So he said, and Jericho's like, "Well, I'd rather make it there on my own to my own merits than to be brought in like that." Yeah. Well, damn. Well, damn, kid. That's something we've never heard before. Somebody turned down WWF. I'll let Vince know. <laughs> I will tell you this. I will tell I'm you. I'm pretty this sure Vince didn't you... give a shit, but. <laughs> <laughs> If Vince McMahon, I know this will never happen, but if Vince McMahon was to ever call me and said, hey, I want you to go out on Monday Night Raw dressed as the Easter Bunny, wearing a pink tutu, and sing Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy for two straight hours during a three-hour show, then guess what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be going out there dressed as the Easter Bunny in a pink tutu singing Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy. Yep. And with a smile on my face and loving every second of it. Because I know I'll be getting fat paid. Yeah, and before we go to the break, and I'll say this, and if any of the independent wrestlers out there that think they're too good for the WWE, if you wouldn't do it, guess what? That makes you a mark, and get out of the business, please. On that note, that's probably got me a shitload of heat. Uh, on that note, we're going to take a break. I'm gonna, I've gotten some messages about the Warrior song that I played earlier. And, Blake, did you like that song? I love that. So that was the first time I ever heard it. And I tell you what, I think that that would be a great uh, entrance theme for anybody that's doing like a military type gimmick or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was actually talking to uh, Stephen Eisen a few months ago because he was wanting to bring some of that uh, into it. And uh, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about suggesting that for him to use mm-hmm. if he if he wants to go that direction. That is. Yeah. Um, after the show's over, I'll probably switch that to him. Or put the post that on his timeline, but I'm gonna play it one more time for everybody out there because one, I want it. We got 25 minutes left. I didn't imagine it's taking the whole two hours, but <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, um, we're gonna. T- it's a three, it's a three and a half minute long song. Uh, I've got a couple other songs. I got one song I was gonna play, but it's about a five minute song. But to save time so people can call in because I know Andrew wants to call in. I think Scott Diamond's gonna call in. Oh I've God! Hit, I've hit him up on Facebook. To let him know we were on the air, but he hasn't responded, so I don't know if he's going to call it. But um, we're going to play this song. I'm going to post the I'm going to post the number in the chat room from for our two good buddies Andrew and James that are in the chat room, and then I'm going to I'm going to post it on Facebook, and then we'll see who calls. And if no and if nobody else calls, besides I know Andrew's calling, and I don't know about Ji, 
But uh, if ju- if just they them call and we still got a little time, we'll shoot the shit some more. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is the Warrior song. Right, everybody, uh, we almost had a catastrophe during that break. Somehow, I, I've to do this, I have to connect through Skype, 
and Skype dropped me halfway through through that song and luckily some quick thinking kind of got me back on the air. Me and Blade was talking in the screening room and all of a sudden it was just like hello, 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 hello. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, "Oh no, here cuz I've only other I've only had technical difficulties once in the entire show's history. And that was the very first time I had Bobby Blake on. <laughs> Jeez. Well, what kind of operation are you running over there, Tom? Yeah. And I think that was the very first thing you said to me when I finally got you on the line. Uh, which now I've got a pretty good handle on, on blog talk. But when I first started, it was like, Ugh. when I first started having call-ins, I was like, this is rough. Uh, but <laughs> all right. If anybody wants to call in, the number is 347-215-8795. You can... Ask Bobby Blade anything you want wrestling-related, whether it be his career, the WWF, 1990 to 99. Even though we can't keep in topic, I would like you to. Uh, <laughs> um, feel free to call in. It is 347-215-8795. You're going to have no callers. Yeah, I Nobody think wants to that, talk to me. I think you said that last time, uh, and you got a couple. Yeah, it was John Horton, though. John Horton? Um, didn't that Lawrence guy call in, too? Uh, yeah, Lewis Lawrence. Which, funny, he added me on Facebook after that show, and then like a week later he unfriended me. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Lewis doesn't like you. I guess not, and I honestly I, have no clue who he is, so it wouldn't I, really I, matter. I dare James Isaacs to call in. I dare him. He, he ain't got the balls to call in. If James Isaacs doesn't call in, he's a woman. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, we got a caller. We got a caller. Oh, imagine that. 859-697. You are on the air. Tom, how are you? Hey, Andrew. What's up, bud? Uh, not much. How's it going? It's pretty good. Pretty good. Trying to stay warm. Yeah. Is this Andrew Do, Do Browning? Yes, sir, it is. What's going on, buddy? Oh, nothing much. I'm just uh, watching SmackDown right now. SmackDown? Who's What's the... that? <laughs> uh, Roman Reigns, and he's got some kind of a mystery opponent tonight. Ah. I bet I know who it ain't. I bet it ain't Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> no good, no good start on that, Tom. <laughs> yeah, Dolph, Dolph Ziggler got fired on Monday, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I know Scott Diamond like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are Scott Diamond uh, free tonight. Yeah, apparently I sent him. I sent him a message just to let him know, but he uh, he is not inclined to call. I guess. <laughs> uh. I have a few questions for you, Bobby Blade. All right. Uh, one is about uh, back in UWF, I guess it was the last show or something, when you uh, when you were discussing against referee with uh, Valley Fox and, uh, of course, air quote, Scott Diamond. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what was your, what did you think when you went through that match? When I went through that match, I was thinking, I just took Scott Diamond's money. He's going to have a bad Christmas. 
and from, and from what I understand, he uh, he was probably about eight hundred dollars short for Christmas because it was in his wallet, which was in my pocket, and I did not return it. Yeah, because I was at that show too, and I was wearing my pink dog my pink dog dog sticker pink shirt for. Andrew, do you wear that to every U- UWF show? Every time with Scott Diamond's there, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. That's great. Every, he always says, get the, take that damn ugly shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> That's and great. Then, uh, when I wear my hat backwards, it says, just turn that hat around. <laughs> so you don't like the Scott Diamond, do you? No, sir, I don't. <laughs> I don't either. I mean, you know, the only thing that he was good for was uh, I've stolen his money from him a few times, and I took taking his shoes, but the shoes didn't last very long. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I wore them. I wore them for a while, and then the uh, holes just wore out the bottom of them. Oh. So he, he, you does. know, even though his shoes look nice and everything, he doesn't really have good quality shoes. But he does have a lot of money, which I'll you know, I'll take his money. I'll continue to take his money every time I see him. <laughs> yes, yeah. Diamond, if you're listening, I'm talking to you, and I dare you to call in. <laughs> yeah, call in on Bobby Blader, Scott Diamond. <laughs> Who do you think will I'm win Bobby. in a fight, me or Scott Diamond? Oh, Lord. Uh, you, Bobby Blade. Hey, 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 we'll talk to Andrew Du Browning all night long. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't mind it all. <laughs> yeah, but you got to watch out because you know Andrew might turn turn on you at the end of the at the end of the fight. Yeah, I know he's done that to me a couple times. Yeah. Have <laughs> I? Well, a couple times. You know, you started off cheering me and then you booed me at the end of the night. It happens. Oh yeah. Well, I thought just well. I don't know because the way you were the way you had your face because I thought you were taking money from Scott Diamond there did that last shot. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, I did take his money, but he he still lost the match, though. And then you saw what happened to him afterwards. I, I gave him the diamond cutter. Yeah, I oh. saw that. Whoa, yep. whoa, or the blade, whoa, blade cutter, I'm you, sorry. You mean blade took a bump? Be still my beating. No, no, <laughs> no. Oh, I gave the blade cutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gave Scott Hammond the blade cutter, which uh, he didn't immediately get up from. No. <laughs> Andrew, I got a question for you, and Bobby, you're not allowed to say anything. Do you want to see Bobby no. Blade back in the ring? No, yes, sir, no, I do. No, 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 no. <laughs> you do really? Yeah, I miss seeing that ring, uh, Bobby. I'm I'm a fat old bald guy, though. That's you know, I'm I'm old. I'm just I'm too old. Well, I won't forget really that one match. What's that? Well, so I won't forget that one match back in, uh, I guess it was last year, year before, with you, Stan Sierra, and Larry D in that Fort Heavyweight title match. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a great match. That was, that was my last ever wrestling match that I ever had. And that was actually May 20th yeah, was, of 2013. Yeah, yeah. And then I left the business April the 20th. A year to the day, uh, left the business uh, April twentieth, two thousand fourteen. 
yeah, which was, was a sad, that. sad day. But you know, the thing it was a sad day for me because I'd been doing it for so long, twenty three years in the wrestling business, and then all of a sudden just nothing. But I didn't want to be one of those guys that stayed around too long. You know, I don't want to be the guy that when I come out the curtain, people look at and be like, "Well, he's still here." You know, he's still wrestling. He should have retired five years ago, you know. I don't regret leaving the business at all because I think for the business to still be relevant, you have to groom the younger class. And when the younger class is ready, then it's time to move on. And I think, you know, there were several guys that were ready, and I, you know, know that I was way past my prime. Um, I couldn't do interview segments anymore can do promos at all and uh, i don't you know i used to have that rough gravelly voice you know the big loud booming gravelly voice and then all of a sudden i just couldn't do it you know it's just it's like it wouldn't come out and i would just go into a coughing fit every time i would go to do the voice so i had to stop doing that voice and then i realized i can't remember what i'm going to say i can't think fast on my feet anymore i can't quickly put together a promo in my head as i'm talking and it's it's just time and you know that's the reason i left and you know and i don't feel bad about it but then again too you know when the weekend comes up i'm like well what am i going to do this weekend i guess i'm going to play some games Mm -hmm. you know i got i got two more two more uh, questions if it's okay with tom if he has well, let's let's try to trim it down to one because I'm gonna tr- we're gonna try to get somebody else to call in if you if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind. Uh, I know I know you and me watch uh, Total Divas, right? Oh, I love it. Uh, I, there's one thing to disagree with you, Bobby. Why do you What's like that? Why do you like Eva Marie? Oh man, she's so hot. She is, man. That fiery red hair, golly, those legs. Oh, man, her face is awesome. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. You know who I I like, don't you? Who's that? Nikki Bella? Paige. Paige? Yes, sir. You don't like Eva Marie? It's just that gut feeling. I just don't like her for some reason. I don't know. Oh man, she's so hot. <laughs> Paige is hot too, but even Marie is like you know, you know, her. you know what I'm saying. It's the redheads. I, I think so. Well, I don't know. Felony Fox is a redhead, and I hate her guts. Oh, <laughs> don't tell her, her I said that. Don't tell her she's probably oh, listening right now. <laughs> Felony, oh. I'm sorry. I never said that. That was Tom Wing saying that. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get me killed now. Yes, sir. All right, Andrew. Well, I appreciate you calling in, buddy. Uh, and I have one more thing for Scott Diamond. You better be listening to Scott Diamond. Okay. Uh, that all? Yes, sir, it is. All <laughs> right, buddy. I appreciate you. Thank you. You're welcome. See ya. That was Andrew Browning. Always a treat. He's always at the wrestling shows. That's yes. that's a true fan right there. If we, I, I said this when he called in on Felony's last show, because she did a show about the the Hall of Fame, 
And I said, if we could clone him about 500 times and have him at every show, we wouldn't need anybody else. Exactly. Exactly. Going to take one more call tonight. If you want to call in, it is 347-215-8795. Call on in. Ask Bobby Blade anything. Um, any uh, any TV shows you've been watching here lately? Any movies? Uh, Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. That's pretty Dead. much it. Yep. Um, That's pretty much guy, all I watch. Yeah, I got a guy in my chat room um, that is a very good friend of mine. He's actually going to be on my show next Thursday. We're going to be talking all things horror and all things um, in, in his um, business he has called Arkham Images. He's a photographer. Very big in The Walking Dead. I've seen the first three seasons. I haven't seen much more than that. Uh, and he's going to be on. Uh, he's a big Walking Dead fan. Big Walking Dead fan. I need to add you to, I think, one of the groups he runs called, I think it's CKN or CNK Nerds. Um, And um, it's very good. Um, He's also, I don't know, are you a horror fan at all, any Bobby? Yeah, um, but I mainly stick with the the franchises, like Mm -hmm. uh, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Child's Play, you know, stuff like that. Um, Sometimes I kind of get off the beaten path and watch a, a... you know, a different kind of uh, horror movie. Like I saw one about six months ago. It was called Zombievers. Zombie. And it was about yeah. And it was exactly what it was about. Exactly what you would think it would be. Zombie beavers. Is it is it like and, is it like their version of Sharknado? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it was. The thing was, was I enjoyed it because it was a B horror movie. Mm-hmm. And it was like the movie didn't take itself too seriously. It was like you know they would, you know the zombie beavers would, you know bust through the floor, and you could obviously tell that they were puppets and all that stuff. And they were like really bad puppets because you know they didn't, you know they had no animation to them at all. But it was such a bad movie that I thought it was great. And I, I think sometimes you just got to watch horror movies that are so bad that they're awesome. And that yeah. was one of them, Zombievers. Hell, watch See No Evil. Uh, <laughs> I, I like See No Evil. You know, everybody I, gets the, the thing is, the everybody gets on WWE for making movies, but you know they're making movies and we're not. The yeah, true. The first one was okay. The second one, I didn't like it at all, and I didn't like the new, their new take on Leprechaun with the origins with Hornswoggle being who uh, is a WWE wrestler, by the way. I didn't care for that one because I'm a big fan of all the first couple Leprechaun movies. But <laughs> Leprechaun in the Hood? Yeah, I didn't care for that one at all. I've seen nothing. I thought first. it was great. I've seen the first three, and that's about it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've recently and some people label it as horror. Some people don't. I bought Silence of the Lambs today on Blu-ray. They had it at Walmart for five bucks. <laughs> They've been Walmart. They're hit and miss sometimes with what they put on sale. And here lately, I've been getting a few good horror titles on Blu-ray that normally wouldn't get. Um, I'm wanting to get the new. They, it's not new, but they recently released the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Blu-ray and the uh, Friday the Thirteenth Blu-ray. And mm-hmm. I think it was about a year or so ago it came out, and I'll, that's the the next on my to grab list. Which I may uh, go ahead. I'm going to Lexington. I'm planning on Monday. 
because um, I've, I've got a pretty good-sized paycheck coming to me, and I'm planning on going by Best Buy. <laughs> is J.I. About... still in the uh, chat room? No, he logged out. I was actually going to tell him if he wanted to ask you a question out through the chat room, and he could, but then right as I was going to type it in, he logged out on me. I hope I didn't piss him off. Nah, I, I hope not. <laughs> oh, all right, I well... Guess. Bobby, I think we're going to, we haven't gotten any calls, so I think we're just going to go ahead and call it a night, man. All right, then. All right, I will get back with you in a couple days, and we'll figure out whenever I see my, my not next week's schedule, because I've already got a show planned next week, but the week afterwards, I'll see what my schedule is and see what works best for you, and we'll go from there. All righty, then. I appreciate right, you having me on. I, man, I, I I get a kick out of any time you're on, man. It's always fun. I always have fun, and and it's one so of those. So much for that, the topic. Yeah, we kind of hit the topic a little bit, but then we kind of get off on our twenty five thousand tangents, and there we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, but you know, I know if I need, if, you know, tonight I was originally going to do ninety minutes. I scheduled it for two hours, not thinking we would go the full two hours, and we went to two hours. And we could probably go another two if we wanted to, but <laughs> I got to be at work at nine thirty in the morning, so we're not going to do that. <laughs> so you're going to you're going to go take your toilet bowl to task, and I'm going to go ahead and close up shop and tell everybody what's going on next week, and then we will see you in a couple weeks, Bobby. All right, man. Thank you for having me on again. Thank you, sir, man. Love you, brother. Same here, man. All right, everybody, that was Bobby Blade. Always a joy to talk to. It makes for an easy night. Uh, I'm going to have him on in a couple weeks. I think we're going to do WCW 90-99. Hopefully we'll talk a little bit more about the actual subject. But, you know, we keep it entertaining. And that's the name of the game is I want you to have fun just like I'm having fun. Next week i got a really kick-ass guest. He's been a friend of mine for about a decade. Um, he, we're going to talk about all things horror. We're going to talk a little bit about The Walking Dead, even though I'm probably going to have to try to get caught up on season four and the first half of season five. So I know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> but we're going to talk about horror. We're going to talk about our favorite horror movies, the movies we hated, underrated movies, anything horror related. And we're going to talk about his. Uh, he's a photographer. He has a, he has a company. I guess it's a company. Um, Arkham Images, formerly Linda Devart. Um, and Michael Wilson will join me live on the air next week. I'm going to probably do the same I did tonight. I'm going to schedule the show for two hours, but we're going to aim for at least 90 minutes, but we'll see how it goes, man. I want to appreciate I, – I'm sorry, I'm stumbling because I got I got a countdown in my ear saying I got 90 seconds left, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I hope we set records tonight. Thanks for everybody. I love all of you. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Off the Rails Radio, owned by T Dub Entertainment, 2015. God knows that I'm one. Hi, 
you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, I need an update. Haircut? No, my jeans, they're outdated. Run to Old Navy for tons of new jean styles on sale right now. Old Navy? Yes, try the new Rockstar 24-7. Now with more stretch and comfort than ever, you can feel and look fabulous. Plus, all jeans for the whole family are on sale up to 50% off, starting at $15 for adults and from $10 for kids. Up to 50% off all jeans? Yep, say hi to new denim at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. It's a date. New jeans at Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 810 to 823, excludes clearance.